Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 134 in Edmonton. Just before we go to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline to hook up with John Shannon, uh, we're going to read a text on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob, so much has changed from your show before this uh, season. You asked the callers to predict their uh, point total uh, on an 82-game schedule, may we add it. Up for grabs was a $200 gift certificate from Roos Chris Steakhouse, as I recall. What a bunch of pessimists that day. Sounds like they're very quiet. Well, I think, if I recall correctly, 90% of the texters had the orders at lower than 87 points. Um, the orders were on pace for a 97-point season. Uh, this should be a good run. Um who will be the third and fourth line center that makes a difference in all the call-up runs? Well, for Edmonton to start, it's it's going to be Riley Sheehan and Jujar K are both big parts of the Oilers' PK. So, to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, pleased to be joined on the line by our NHL insider, John Shannon. Hello, John. How are you doing? Great, Bob. You? Good. Uh, you were all over the exhibition games uh, for each of the respective teams. Your thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers playing the Calgary Flames for an exhibition game? Well, is there, is there any other and any better way to start than that? I, I don't think so. I mean, when you when you think what uh, the NHL and their TV rights holder Sportsnet were trying to do, create interest on that night on their channels, there'll be a Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, Toronto doubleheader. So, uh, I, I truly believe that in addition to trying to you know make sure that the game the teams had an opportunity to have some chemistry on the ice. They were trying to make sure that there was a little bit of a draw uh, with the exhibition games. Let's face it, when we see exhibition games in September, we don't really care, but exhibition games in August after the pause, uh, it is, uh, it is a, a big, long, cold drink of water in the desert. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some would have suggested I've been unfit to play since the late 1990s. Uh, but I digress. Uh, but on the unfit to play, what's your perspective in terms of how the NHL has handled the situation? Again, um, this was a request made by the players as well. That's right. Uh, you know, there are privacy laws uh, in both countries uh, that uh, reflect when you have a, uh, when you have a sickness uh, that uh, that you have the right to disclose or not to disclose, and uh, uh, it, you know the the league the league has never been very good at disclosing injuries, upper body, lower body. Thank you, Pat Quinn. Um, but uh, when it comes to illness, uh, th- then I think that's a different issue. Do I like it? Of course, I don't like it. What it it it, it leads to speculation. It leads to gossip and innuendo. Um, but at the same time, it, if it protects the player's right, then, then we have to respect that if that's what he wants. The player himself, uh, just as Austin Matthews did here the other day in Toronto, he can come out and say he had it yes. when, he's, when he's interviewed. Uh, but uh, he has no obligation to do that, and the team certainly has no obligation to report it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, Toronto's an interesting uh, market at any time. Uh, I asked the question today to Brian Lawton. Uh, brought it up briefly if David Staples as well, John. Uh, I had some people suggest to me that Colorado and Edmonton were the two teams to watch the most, not just right now in the West, but for the next six to eight years. Give me your take on that. Well, I, I mean, anybody, when you look at when you look at the young players on both clubs, uh, I, I think you have to you, you have to respect what they're going to do. Six to eight's a long time for me. Five years is probably as far as I will go. But I think I think both Colorado and Edmonton will be a force in the West uh, for for a long period of time. I don't think there's any question of that. Uh, and the West itself, again, Bob, is it's regenerated. You know, there was a time when it was the big, you know, the big bad West. You know, when yep. it was big body hockey. Uh, and then the, even though the Stanley Cup champion three out of four years came out of the East, uh, the, the, the type of hockey that, uh, uh, that was played in the West was certainly dominating. Um, and, and now when you look at the three Rookies of the Year nominees, all from teams from the West, uh, and it seems that the West has regenerated itself, and it's regenerated itself faster uh, and bigger than the East, which is uh, which is a fascinating combination. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. Are there a couple teams in the East, like Edmonton and Colorado, who you think might be able to have a uh, you know who you would say might be a favorite to have a five-year window where they're going to be pretty good? Well, I think the Rangers are on the on the cusp of greatness. Um, you know, they you know for the longest time they've had to rely on Henrik Lundqvist. They've solved that problem for the next ten years. With young, uh, well, Georgiev and Shesterkin, they're both going to be very good uh, for a long period of time. That, that's going to be a combination of, of goaltending. Uh, I think we're going to see at Madison Square Garden for a long period of time. Their young players uh, are uh, are the real deal. With our, and 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 acquiring our Timmy Panarin uh, is certainly a huge difference maker. And re-signing Kreider. David Quinn's done a hell of a job coaching uh, that team, and and they're actually well ahead of that famous rebuild that they sent in an email to the season ticket holders a few years back they've done a a very good job there um you, you know as, as far as other teams in the east uh, it, it's it's difficult not to think that pittsburgh is going to find a way to regenerate itself as well um i, I just you know I, and, and the way sydney plays to me it, it uh, the the comparison i have is that uh, is to steve eiserman in in his career uh, not that Sid uh, uh, Sid's always been a dominant player, but Sid's game has changed so much, and Sid's now Sid should should always be in the conversation in my mind for the Selkie Trophy now too. Um, and uh, that team is morphing itself back into play one more time. They could be in my mind if if somebody said pick a qualifying team to go to the Stanley Cup final, even though I've picked Boston, it would it would not pr- surprise me to see a Boston Pittsburgh. Eastern Conference Final uh, at Rogers Place, too. All right. Uh, John Shannon, our NHL uh, insider, joining us right now on Oilers Now. You mentioned Crosby and Malcolm, and the Oilers obviously have got McDavid and Dreisaitl. You watched the Oilers' glory era back in the 1980s. Uh, their best guys drove it, and the uh, Peter Zosky wrote about this in Game of Our Lives, yep. Osmosis, about how Wayne Gretzky made other players. John, the Oilers, uh, if you watch the pace of their practice right now, it's not even remotely comparable to what we saw in the fall like the, right? it, it's oh it's way faster way more pace uh, yeah that, well i mean let's face it Con- 
Uh, you know, the uh, Connor came back from the injury and played amazingly well for that period of time. But this 140 days could only help Connor. It could only strengthen that knee one more time uh, and, 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 and give him a lot more confidence. He will never tell you that he lacked confidence skating on it, but you had to know that, I mean, Connor McDavid, I know it's hard to believe, is human too. Uh, and probably had some doubts a couple of times during the season. This 140 days has given him uh, even more chance to to rehabilitate that knee and and do a and it be even that much more effective. And, and yeah. by the way, uh, and I know, I'm not saying this to create a rivalry. You know darn well uh, that Connor McDavid looks across the dressing room and sees Leon and sees Leon now. You know he's he's, he's up for the Pearson something Connor's won. He's going to be up for the heart, something Connor's won. Uh, and Connor's saying, well, hey, listen, I'm still the best player on this team. Uh, Connor's, uh, Connor's got, a, he's, he's got a challenge in his own dressing room now as opposed to on the other team. Uh, absolutely. It's going to be good. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what was your first year with hockey? When did you start uh, in television production, John? 1976. Okay. Uh, was that in Toronto or was that out west? No, I was. I had uh, moved from the west to Toronto. I started in Toronto, then moved back. So I was in All Toronto right. at that point. Do you remember the seventies? Uh, just offhand today, we were talk- for some reason. I ended up. Oh, I know why. Because Settler scored five goals in one game in the playoffs, and we were talking about the seventy. Uh, well, we were talking about the seventy-seven, seventy-eight Islanders because that's right. the last team. That's the only team in NHL history that had higher special teams combined totals than the Oilers this year. Because uh, we were referencing the coach of the year thing, and Dave Tippett didn't make it into the, t- the final three. My guess is he finished fourth. Um, but anyhow, uh, I can't trust broadcasters to vote. Eh? Broadcasters don't know what they're doing. Well, anybody that's listened to this show on a daily basis knows that's the case, John. <laughs> so, so uh, anyhow, and then for you know, we talked about the the Leafs beating the Islanders in the '78 playoffs. Sure. That was the year Lanny McDonald scored. I was scored in the, the penalty goal. box. I was in the penalty box when Lanny scored. Really. Yeah, yeah, at, on the call at the Coliseum, absolutely. Um, so shoot me this. Uh, going back to seventy five, seventy six, the uh, the Flyers and the Maple Leafs. That was some oh. ugly. Uh, that ugly. was uh, it was, was ugly. Back. I was at every game at Maple Leaf Gardens that year too. Uh, just starting out, and that was you're right. That was as uh, vicious. Uh, I mean, I, I actually, I think I remember a couple of the usherettes trying to get between Mel Bridgman and 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 a few players. Uh, it, I don't think it worked out well for the usherettes because um, you could call them usherettes then. Um, and uh, for, so, from that perspective, I, you know, that was as that was just a different way. I mean, uh, the, the the Flyers were coming off their their two Stanley Cups. Right. Uh, they were. They had proved that uh, they could intimidate anybody at any time, before the game, after the game, during the game, in the intermission. They were. That's that was just Fred Shiro's uh, mantra was how to intimidate, uh, and you could sense that the, the league was at that point was catching up to them, and and that uh, teams were learning how to be better skilled and be almost as tough. And in the end, that's what happened when they lost four straight to Canadians that year in the final. Yeah. Uh, but that Leaf series was an indication that, uh, you know, that was I think that was a Red Kelly team. Red Kelly's teams could stand up to uh, what Shiro wanted to do. They just, you know, Bobby Bobby Clark and, and Bernie Perrant, uh, you know, Wayne Steele. Oh, they won it. Yeah, it went, went, se- went, went seven, John. Like, it went oh, seven no, games. It was a hell of a series. It was a hell of a series. I remember but, they they called up, like, 
Dave Dunn, who played at the University of Saskatchewan, big, lanky yeah. defenseman. They yeah. played him at forward. They had Garland up at that time, and he was sort of a you know a tough minor leaguer. Uh, Walker, Kurt Walker. Well, like, Kurt, Kurt Walker, as memory serves me, Kurt Walker was the guy that they called up during the during the uh, the series to be their difference maker. Uh, just I mean, because Kurt was a lovely guy. I'm not sure he could skate very well, but at that point against the Flyers, it didn't matter much. Right, and it was just, and of course Tiger Williams, who he could play. I mean, Tiger had 30 goal seasons in the NHL. Yeah. Uh, and he was, I mean, he, the the guy that were, in the last 20 years, to me, the guy that fought when Tiger was in his prime, uh, the guy that fought closest to Tiger for me was Rick Rick, uh, Rick Rippon, and who's no longer with us, as yeah, we know, but yeah. he really had fast hands. I remember Tiger fighting McElhargy, and uh, I tell you what, Dave, David, uh, David was an interesting guy. I I got to know Tiger pretty well, and. Uh, uh, Tiger was really in tune with everything. You know, we, we always give Gretzky credit for being in tune with everything yeah. in an arena. Williams was in tune just as much as anybody. You could go to Tiger before the game and say, okay, hey, Dave, you're, listen, you're the interview in the first intermission with Dave Hodge, so be ready. And he'd say, well, hold on, John. Is it a national game or is it a regional game? You know, I mean, who, what audience am I talking to here? You know, if, am I talking to my friends at home in Saskatchewan or am I just talking in southern Ontario? You know, so, so he was, he, he was, Tiger was building his brand every time he went on the ice and every time he came in the TV studio. Yeah, well, and he, you know what? He fought them all, man. It didn't matter. I mean, he fought Dave Semenko in the 80s, and he fought, uh, you know, Schultz in the mid-70s. So, but it was, it was, I was just telling Brendan today, he's got to watch the entire Game 6 of that series. I think the Leafs win like 7-4. That was a game Sittler had five goals. Yeah. Three of them would not have gone in today. They were that bad of goals. But uh, I told Brendan, you got to watch that just to realize Oh my well, God. remember this was this was a Maple Leaf team that in for uh, up until Doug Gilmore's time, this was a Maple Leaf team that people yearned for and thought was one of the great teams of all time, and and really never got to the Stanley Cup final, got to a uh, conference final once, lost four straight to Montreal. They were uh, they were they were great great for the market, but in typical Toronto fashion, they couldn't win big games. We have a guy that listens to the show on a fairly regular basis who scored an overtime goal for the Canadians against the Leafs in that playoff series. Oh, Cam Connor? Cam Connor, absolutely. Oh, good for Cam. Actually, memory serves me, Cam Connor scored the goal, and Tiger came out of the penalty box and went after Bob Myers. And Larry Robinson talked to him. And Larry Robinson (laughs) intervened, that's right. I was there for that, too. Gosh. (laughs) There you go. Awesome stuff. Hey, John, thanks for your time. Next week, Bob. All right, absolutely. That's uh, John Shannon joins us every Monday, Monday and Wednesday. He's our NHL insider on Oilers Now. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50-plus years. Royal Pizza is offering curbside pickup, takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is the Mediterranean chicken. When we get back, we'll get to this day in Oilers history. We'll bang off a couple more texts. Who knows what Brendan S. Scott and myself will talk about. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. 
151 in Edmonton. Daniel Nugent Bowman uh, from The Athletic has just tweeted out, Ken Holland, uh, we had Ken on the show on Monday, says the Oilers are only taking three goaltenders into the bubble. The plan was for Broberg to go to um, a Swedish Hockey League camp after Phase 3. With Mike Green opting out, that might change. A determination will be made in the next 10 days. If Broberg leaves, the Oilers would then plan to take nine defensemen, 18 forwards, and three goaltenders into the bubble. To our Ashley Five Floors text line at 780-496-0063. This is from Cowtown Bob. Says, anybody calling the Oilers to win it all away is overly optimistic. The playoffs uh, have always been a different ball of wax compared to the regular season. Uh, this year is going to be even more of a contrast. I believe it's a coin toss to see how the Oilers will do. You know what? That's fair. It's fair to see... We're not sure how they're going to do. How do you judge how a team's going to do when they haven't played for four months? That's that's a fair perspective to have. I will tell you, the team looks way faster than they did in the fall. That's one thing that I'd suggest. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Bob, if the Leafs and the Oilers meet in the final, I wonder if it would be a back and forth between the two hubs. Well, it wouldn't be. The hubs is... It's already been decided. Conference finals, Stanley Cup finals are in Edmonton. Subject to change, I guess. Never know what could happen here. All right, to this day in Oilers history, back at the 630 Chad Studios, the one and only Brendan Escott. And back in this day in 2010, General Manager Steve Tambellini hires 41-year-old Todd Nelson, previously of the Atlanta Thrashers, as the new head coach of the Oklahoma City Barons. Later that day, former Oilers defenseman Steve Smith was named an assistant on Tom Rennie's coaching staff. Yeah, they... Uh... You know, Todd Nelson had a good run as a coach for the Oilers farm team in Oklahoma City. Had a lot of successful teams down there. Oilers invested some money, too, and brought in some quality veterans. I could see Edmonton attempting to upgrade a bit of their base for the American Hockey League for the 2021 season as well as for Steve Smith, currently with the uh, Buffalo Sabres, uh, working on Ralph Kruger's staff. Kruger, of course, ended up ultimately ended up replacing Tom Rennie as head coach for the 12-13 season. Anything else you want to hit on, Brendan, here in the final two minutes of the show? I was having a chuckle because it sounds, Bob, like you really didn't like the Philadelphia Flyers much back in the day. Is that fair to say? I couldn't stand them. Seriously. I mean, Moose DuPont used to jump in on guys all the time. Hound Dog Kelly. Seleski could do it, you know, but he didn't. He was a bigger guy. Uh, Schultz. I don't know. I mean, one day we'll have to. They, the Philadelphia Flyers of 73, 74, 74, 75 are amongst my least favorite teams of all time. Even when they ran the Russians off the ice when they played Central Red Army. I mean, whatever. I mean, we were at the height of the Cold War at that time, but it was, it was a goon show. The one, and I don't know if, well, I know for a fact I've never seen the video on YouTube, but the Montreal Canadiens dressing their like 11th or 12 toughest players and playing an exhibition game it, at the Spectrum in Philadelphia before the start of the 75, 75, 75, 76 season. Um, there, there are legendary tales of that game. And a lot of people think that's when the switch out occurred with the Flyers because they realized that other teams could completely, uh, go on that route as well. But no, I was not a uh, Flyers fan for a long time. I liked Eric Lindros in the nineties. Um, but I was not a Flyers fan. And, and, you know, I'll be honest. I wanted the Leafs to beat the Flyers back in the mid seventies. I did. I couldn't stand Philadelphia, to be honest with you. 
There you have it. Brennan, if you would have seen them in their prime, nasty stuff. Coming up tomorrow in Oilers now for the horses and horse racing in Alberta. By the way, no formal practice tomorrow for the uh, Edmonton Oilers at the downtown community arena. Uh, so it's an off day for the uh, players. Well, an off day in terms of practice. So we'll have Sportsnet's Mark Spector for the horses. Um, and again, to comply... Uh, we will mention that they're racing out at Century Mile Friday and Sunday evening, but to comply with Alberta Health uh, Service standards and regulations, there's no spectators at this time. You can go online and bet at hpibet.com. I am Burke for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication. Solar will join us, and so too will a big man, George LaRock. So Mark Spector better be bringing us truculence. Because he's in Louis de Bras, uh spot and uh, slot on the show. We'll have some fun. Reed Wilkins has got inside sports tonight. What's he got shaking? He's got your broadcast partner, Jack Michaels, Eskimos president and CEO, Chris Presson, and uh, producer of the show, Dave Campbell. All right. Uh, up next, we got a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 630 Chet Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Have a wonderful Wednesday, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.